Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Ah, it's a rowdy group out there in the lobby this morning. Well, come on in here, guys. Good to see everyone, and uh, welcome. If this is your first time with us, we are so glad you're here. And uh, I, I do this, <clears throat> excuse me, survey every Thanksgiving, so I'm going to do it now. And that is this competition between stuffing and dressing. So we're going to find out what your group, what you guys are like now. So if you're a stuffing person for Thanksgiving. You get to represent right now. Let me hear it. Okay. Dressing people. I don't need to say anything else. I mean, it's just like, sorry. But we are a very welcoming church, and we welcome those who like stuffing as well. We will greet you and welcome you with open arms. It's good to see everyone. Today, we're going to be finishing up our uh, series that we've, I've called Why Worship? Uh, next Sunday, I'll kind of launch into the next uh, kind of a mini-series as we head toward Christmas, but it'll be on Thanksgiving, on calling Thanks Living, and we'll learn what it means to live a thankful life. Did you know that your perspective, how grateful you are, how uh, thankful you are, affects your attitude? That grateful people have better attitudes than ungrateful people. Did you know that? I mean, it's a good way to actually change your perspective of life is to become a grateful person, become a thankful person. And things, things even look different once you become a thankful or grateful person. So that's what we're going to take a look at next week. And I hope you guys have a, if I don't get to speak to you on your way out, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, today we're going to be over in the book of Revelation, the very last book in the book. So if you've got your Bible or your app or whatever and you want to turn over there, I'm going to pray and we're going to, we're going to jump right into this. Father... Thank you for this day. Thank you that uh, we have the opportunity and the blessing to be able to come together and to look at your Bible, look at your word, Lord. I need your help this morning. God, I asked for the gift of teaching that you talked about, that you said uh, that is available to your church. So I asked for that gift this morning. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come. This time of the year, uh, when our hearts turn toward family and uh, toward... Uh, Sometimes even loss, God, there's all kind of emotions that come to us during the holidays. Lord, we need the help of your word so that we can draw closer to you. And so I just, I pray for you to come and breathe life on your word. Help me this morning. And Holy Spirit, we invite you here. We welcome your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, over in the book of Revelation, uh, Everybody seems to, well, say everybody, lots of people are very interested in that book. For years, people have been asking me, Tim, when are you going to teach through the book of Revelation? And I go, sometime. Uh, <laughs> book of Revelation is a challenge. There's different, uh, there's different ways to approach the book of Revelation. Some approach it just as an apocryphal, you know, kind of an 
apocalyptic type writing. And then, but I think it's a both and. There were things going on at that time in John's life uh, that the book speaks to as well as a future. And so today, though, what I want to look at is something, the, the subject that keeps popping up in the book of Revelation that maybe you've met, missed before, and that is that there is a whole lot of worship and praise going on in this last book of the Bible. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, you can't hardly flip a chapter that you don't see the people of God or heaven breaking out in worship and praise and adoration. I mean, in this book, there's even like worshiping animals in heaven. I mean, I don't know what John was seeing. He was describing what he was seeing. He, he, didn't, he didn't know either. He said, this is what, here's my words for it. This is what it looks like. But there was a lot of praise and worship going on in the book of Revelation. And so uh, we're going to take a look at that. But another thing that, uh, that happens in the book of Revelation is we see Jesus presented as the one to worship over and over and over again. Chapters 1, 4, 5, 7, 11, chapters 12, all of those chapters are pointing toward Jesus as the one that we are to worship, that we're to praise and to give adoration to. Uh, there's one point in this book where John, you know, he's having all this, this tremendous encounter with God and he's seeing all these wild things and this being shows up to him and is such a fantastic being that John, the Apostle John, falls down on his face before this being and like, this must be God, I, I gotta worship. And this being, this angel says, no, 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 no. Get up, get up, get up. Don't worship me. And we discovered a few weeks ago that all of us were made to worship. And all of us worship something or somebody. Every one of us in this room do. We all are worshipers, one and all, because we were created by God to worship. And so all of us do. John saw this miraculous being and this, the beauty of him, and he fell down. And just like so many things capture our hearts in life, the beauty and excitement, and we give our lives to that, we worship that, this angel suddenly says to John, no, 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 don't worship me. Don't do it. Get up, get up, get up. And then he points toward Christ. And he says, he's the one to worship. And that's all this series has been. Is my prayer, my hope, has been that we would be kind of led, and, and if I can dare say this, pushed <laughs> a little, to see Jesus and to go, he's worth anything and everything that I can give him. All the praise, the worship, my life. He's worth giving it to that's been my desire, and I don't think there's a better picture of this than in this book, in the book of Revelation. Over in Revelation 15 and in verse 2, Revelation 15 and 2, we read, And I saw what looked like a sea of glass mixed with fire and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and over the number of his name. They held harps given to them by God. Man, I really like that last part. They had harps given to them by God. I mean, I'm, I, like, I love guitars. You know, like, I was online the other night looking at all these really sweet guitars, and prices were unbelievable. But you know what? In heaven, God's going to make a guitar. He's going to have a custom guitar. I don't know what it's going to have on the headstock and all that, but he's got them for people, and he gives them, and they begin to worship God. This picture in Revelation 15, too, is kind of a, a take on what happened in Exodus 15, and that is that, the Old Testament, you've heard me say this before, the Old Testament is a book in search of an ending. It's a book looking for some conclusion, 
So the book is pointing toward Christ. And so in the Old Testament, in Exodus 15, after the children of Israel have come across the Red Sea, miraculously, you remember the story, right? If you haven't read it, you've seen that old movie. You know, the Ten Commandments. You've seen it, Charlton Heston. You're standing there, all magnificent and all, and they get across, they get across that river, and then what happens? The Red Sea, it closes up, it swallows the enemy, all the soldiers, and on the other side of the river, looking back across that great divide, looking back to the bondage, looking back to the slavery, Miriam breaks out in a dance of praise to her God. And in Exodus 15, we read that it's like the song of Moses and Miriam. It's a beautiful song. You should read it. Exodus 15. And read through that. Now in John, as he's seeing this picture, he's reflecting back on that. And he's seeing another great sea. A huge sea. And the martyrs that have given their lives for their faith, the people who have given their lives up for their faith, have made it through, have made it to the other side. And there is a song. And there is praise going on. And this is the song of Moses and the Lamb. And so John is seeing this uh, just unfold there because he sees this heavenly Red Sea. And in verse 3, Revelation verse 3, we read, And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God. These are the martyrs. And the song of the Lamb, of Jesus. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. You have a fill-in in your handout this morning. You, have a, you should have a pen there as well. There are three little fill-ins. That's just uh, to help you track along with me this morning. I told the first service, it's kind of like a leash on a surfboard. It keeps me leashed to my notes. That way, with my mind, you know, preachers are apt to take thoughts and run off this direction and that direction. These fill-ins are like a leash to the surfboard. They keep me leashed to my main point. So this is for me as well as you guys. It helps me stay, stay, stay focused in the right place. Your first fill in there is this. Worship celebrates our salvation. Worship celebrates our s- salvation. In uh, verse 3 there, after the martyrs have made it, and we reflect back on the children of Israel, after they have made it across the Red Sea and are standing on the other side of the river, they begin to worship and praise God, both in Exodus and in Revelation. They're celebrating their salvation. Let me ask you this. Are you standing on the other side of the river right now? Can you look back across the river of your life and see what God has delivered you from, what he has given you? Can you see the Egyptians chasing you, wanting to kill you, keep you in bondage, keep you a slave to addictions, keep you a slave to everything but God? Can you stand and look back and go, oh my goodness, God has saved me from so much, from so much, because John has given testimony to that, and every time we worship, we celebrate the fact that we can stand on the other side of that river. Nobody could have bridged that gap for us except Jesus Christ. Nobody could have got us across the river and away from our enemies except Jesus Christ. And so every time we worship and we lift up the song of Moses and the Lamb, we worship him for our salvation, the fact that we have made our way across that river. Do any of you guys ever reflect back on your life before you made it across the river? I mean, every time we go to the communion, when we go back to worship here in just a bit, you'll have the opportunity to go to the communion table. 
Every time you approach that table, you approach a memory of standing on the other side of that river and looking back and saying, this is what Jesus has delivered me from. Jesus has saved me. He has cleansed me. I was over there in bondage to the Egyptians. Now I'm free on this side of the river. Every time we approach it, every time we take the bread, we take the wine, we consume it, we are looking back across that great divide that only Jesus could bridge. And that's a reason to worship. And every time we worship, we celebrate that. Maybe when we go back to worship in a few minutes, you get bored. When you go, I don't get these people. What's the deal, man? Standing up here for 15 minutes singing songs on a screen. Why can't we just go out and get a donut and have some coffee? You know, why can't we just talk to each other? Why can't we do that? Think about where God has brought you from. Think about the river that separated you from God and where he has you right now. Or maybe you're still on the other side. Maybe the Egyptians still are chasing you. Maybe they still have you. The good news is you can look at the other side and you can be on that other side because of Christ. You can be taken across the other side, that great divide between you and God through Jesus Christ. Do you have anything to celebrate God for this morning? Do you? In your salvation? Those of you who are followers of Christ, can you stand on that bank right now and look back? Can you see what God has done in your life so far? I can. I I can't even hardly still handle it most of the time when I look back. I I mean, it overwhelms me to look back and to see the gracious kindness and love of Jesus Christ. But he doesn't just save us from what we were. He saves us to what we will be. Because I know some of you are going, yeah, but Tim, I'm not there yet. I, I... You don't understand, I'm still struggling with some things. I understand that, but do you understand too that you have been saved, are being saved, and will be saved in Jesus Christ? That's something to worship for. Because if you know Christ, then you have hope for a future. And you have something to worship for, something to praise his name for. Uh, It does us good to remember, to look back across the Red Sea, to look to where we've come from, and, and... Can I just say this with all affection? No one is born a Christian. And I say this to all of us, but I especially say that to those of us who were raised in a Christian family. There is no one that was born a Christian. If you can't look back across the Red Sea of your life, if you can't look back and see what Jesus has done in your life and what he is saving you to, then maybe you should take an inventory on which side of the river you're on. And the invitation is to come through Jesus Christ. But no one is born a Christian. No one. I know maybe you were raised in a wonderful Christian family. You had great parents who loved you and prayed for you. That doesn't make you a Christian. I know they're still praying for you. They care for you. They talk to you like you're a Christian. That doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is when you say, I can't bridge, I can't make my way across that river. And you throw yourself on God's mercy and you say, Jesus, I give myself to you. Become my Lord. Become my Savior. Save me. And he is quick to do it. Quick to do it. 
sometimes we can't worship because we just haven't made it across the river yet. We don't have anything really to worship for yet because we haven't experienced the deliverance that comes with our salvation. Miriam and Moses got on the other side. They remembered. They looked back. They began to worship. They began to pray and praise God. John sees it going on in heaven, and we too can look back and do the same. So worship celebrates our salvation. And your second fill-in here is this. Worship celebrates God's uniqueness. Worship celebrates God's uniqueness. Revelation 15, 3 and 4. And sang, they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds. Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, King of the ages. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. Man, we live at the beach. We get to walk down on that ocean, look out across it, and see God's creation in a beautiful way. We get to walk, maybe not today, we get to walk on the beach in the fall, in the wintertime, when the sun's going down and you can see the orange glow back over this way. And we look up and the stars are about to come out and we go, oh God, what a great artist you are. How creative you are. Great and marvelous are your deeds. When you lift your hands to worship God, you celebrate the uniqueness that is God's alone as a creator. Isaiah 40, 25 through 26 says, To whom will you compare me? This is God speaking. Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. In Jeremiah 10, 6 through 7, and maybe we could say this together. Uh, let's just read this one together. Will you guys? Here we go. No one is like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is mighty in power. Who would not revere you, O King of the nations? This is your due among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms. There is no one like you. There is no one like you. Worship reminds us that there is no one like him. The song we were just singing, the songs we're going to sing in just a moment are your opportunity to declare to God his uniqueness, his glory, and he is worthy of it. You know, another really, it, it's, it's a startling truth, but it, but it is the truth, is that only spiritually healthy people can worship for any, any length of time. Only spiritually healthy people can worship for any length of time. Because if we're spiritually healthy, God can take center stage in our life and we will give him the glory. If we're kind of not where we should be, it's so easy for us to be pulled away, isn't it? To be drugged this way and that way away from him. My desire for this church, the reason that we moved into this series was that I want a healthy church. I want to be healthy. I want to be a healthy pastor, a healthy follower of Christ. 
And to be healthy, to be a healthy church, to be a healthy follower of Jesus, we need to get kind of, uh, you know, what we look forward to telling Jesus how unique he is, to enjoying those times with him and with one another when we worship, right? And so we're kind of, you know, we're in the doctor's office this morning, and the word is working on us, the scripture is working on us to make us healthy spiritually so that we can say to God, you know, God, you bore me. You would never say that, would you? But I mean, our actions say it, right? Oh, praise the Lord, what are we having for lunch? You know, it's like, oh God, you know, God, you bore me. You haven't done enough to get my attention yet. You bore me. Yeah, I'm on this side of the river, but man, so what? You killed the Egyptians. You're slaying the idols in my life. So what? Oh, the stars, whatever. The moon, whatever. The ocean, whatever. My family, my friends, whatever. Really? We don't say that. See, we won't be that honest. But we need to be that honest so our hearts can change. So that we can learn to love the presence of God and love Jesus the way he deserves to be loved because we change. Did you know that worship changes you? Your perspective it's like being a grateful person, a, a thankful person. Even the chemicals in your body start changing when you begin to look at God and you begin to give yourself to God in worship. Suddenly your pessimism begins to dry up a bit. Your sarcasm is less acute, hopefully. Your appreciation for the beautiful things in life, the colors, the ocean, sounds, music, friends, baby cry. Art, all of it becomes so much more clear and beautiful and easier to be appreciated. There's no one like you, O oh Lord. No one. No one is great. No one whose name is as mighty in power. You're the king of the nations. Just went through an election, but Lord, you're the king of the nations. You're the king of all the nations. And praise, well, that's your due, Lord. You do that. You deserve it. You deserve my voice, whether I can sing in tune or not. You deserve whatever I give you. My hands, the work of my hands, the work of my voice, my thoughts, my meditation, my love, my attention, Lord, you are worthy of it. It is your due. Among all the wise men of the nations, I don't care how smart people are, Lord, you're worthy of the praise. In all the kingdoms, all their kingdoms, whoever thinks they're a big shot, Lord, you're bigger. You're bigger. There is no one like you. That was Tim's interpretation of Jeremiah 10. <laughs> Don't check the Hebrew. Um, but. And something else that happens to us when we worship is our idols begin to shrink. Have you noticed that? I know right now in this room, there are some of us who struggle with stuff, addictions, habits, even things that have taken such a center stage in our life that they consume us at times. I want to tell you what you should do this morning. You should worship God. When we get the opportunity in just a few minutes to be able to sing and praise God, you should give him everything you've got within you. If you're struggling with an addiction, don't you run off from God. Don't you do it. He loves you. He cares for you. And the more you worship him and the more that you see him, the smaller your idol gets. It begins to shrink, 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 shrink in the light of the greatness of our Savior. Worship Him. Praise Him. Give Him honor. You're like, I got nothing to give Him. Yes, you do. You've got the life He gave you. And that was His gift to you. 
He has given you this moment, this time, this opportunity. Give it to him. The whole world worships God. Nature worships God. Has any, any of you guys seen Louis Giglio's thing about the stars worshiping the Lord, the pulsars? Any of you guys ever watched this? This is a pulsar. And uh, they discovered one, of, I think back in the 60s is when the first one was discovered. But you see that pulse coming out from the middle, that electromagnetic little uh, voice coming out? The only way we can even see these is if that is pointed directly at Earth. It's kind of like a lighthouse with the light. We can't see the light on the other side. But when that pulsating star gets right near us, we can hear it. You can hear it singing. It's got this rhythm to it. And they vibrate on their axis, sometimes four and five times per revolution, just and different ones have different pulsating rhythms. All of the heavens declare his glory. They sing his glory. The whales, have you ever heard whales singing? It's beautiful, gorgeous. All of creation worships the created, the creator. Psalms 148, and let's just do this one together too. You got this one up, Rebecca? Here we go. Let's read this one together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures, and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds. Now, wait a minute. Flying birds, all creatures and flying birds. Can we not thank God for this? <laughs> Praise you, Lord. I thank you. A face only a mother could love. Thank you. Now we know why we chopped their heads off. But the Lord's, I mean, Lord's creativity, the birds of the air. Lord, we worship you. We enjoy your creation. God has extended his mercy, his grace, his love to us in all of creation. Verse 11, continuing, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his saints, of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. The horn is Jesus. Yes, there is much to thank God for. Matter of fact, why don't you do it right now? Just thank him. Go ahead. Thank him. Thank him. Just do it. Say something. Say thank you, Lord, for... The turkey I'm going to enjoy Thursday. Thank you. Thank you for my friends. Thank you, Lord, that I have breath. Thank you that I can sit in this place and hear about you this morning and your love for me. Thank you. We celebrate our salvation in worship, in times of worship. We celebrate the uniqueness that is God. And lastly, we worship celebrates the grand invitation. Worship celebrates the grand 
invitation. Who will not fear you, verse 4, O Lord of Revelation, who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name, for you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. All nations. It is such a, an amazing invitation to the world, to every people, group, every person to come to Christ, to come to God through Christ, to get across that Red Sea of life and get on to the other side, to sing the song of Miriam and Moses, of Moses and the Lamb, to sing it. And the invitation is for everyone, for everyone. You know, I'm, I want you to know you're not alone in worship this morning. Do you realize there are millions and millions of people around this world who are worshiping with us? There are millions and even billions of people who have gone before us who are worshiping. We will be followed by millions and millions of people to come who are worshipped. The angels are worshipping. All of creation is worshipping. There is a grand invitation to all people. And the invitation is to people who aren't like you. Praise God. That's the creativity of God. I am so grateful that in God's great creativity, he made room for a Scotch-Irish redneck southern surfer. I mean, I'm glad there's room for me, but you know what? There's room for everyone. You, my Hispanic friends, you cause me to worship and thank God because I see God's creativity and beauty. You, my Asian friends, you cause me to worship God because I look at it and I see God's handiwork. You, my African-American friends, you cause me to worship because I see God's beauty expressed in his creation. And then the church gets to come together and be a voice and to be an expression of that kingdom of priests to their God. We get to do it together. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It's a grand invitation. Colossians 3.11, and I love the NIV, the first word in this verse, the way they, they say here, <laughs> and I like to say it here. Here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. It's a grand invitation to whosoever will come. Revelation 5, 9 through 10, this book that we're using as our main text this morning in verse 9, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll, singing of Jesus, to open its seals because you, Jesus, were slain. With your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe, every tribe and language and people and nation. Every tribe, every language, people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. We are not the only ones standing on the other side of the Red Sea this morning. We are joined by multitudes and multitudes of people. And just watch this clip and you'll get a little idea of what you're joining.
We get to join our brothers and sisters who can't even go out in public and worship God this morning. We join with them when they're hiding out for the fear of their own lives. We get to worship with them. They're our brothers and our sisters. We have a great opportunity in worship to join with all of the thousands and millions of people who worship this Jesus, who has brought all of us across that Red Sea who are out and free on the other side, who are being led somewhere. We're headed somewhere. We're going to end up with each other for eternity, worshiping the Lamb together. It's a grand invitation, a grand invitation. God said there would come a day when he would pour his spirit out on all flesh, right? Over in Joel, second chapter, and over to Acts, the second chapter, it happens. Male, female, young, old, are you in one of those four groups? One of them? Just make one. If you're in one of those groups, guess what? The Spirit was poured out for you and is available to you to help you and to be there with you. Psalm 96, 1 through 10 says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. 
He will judge the people with equity. Maybe we need to stir ourselves up a little bit this morning. Maybe we need to free ourselves a little bit to worship the God of creation, to join our brothers and sisters who are all over this world right now at this moment worshiping that God who has delivered us across that river. There's a man named George Campbell all the way back in 1776. What a very special year, huh? 1776, Scottish theologian and uh, philosopher who taught rhetoric and believed that uh, rhetoric was the key to many things, but he said this, and I think this is a word for us, to say that it is possible to persuade without speaking to passions is but at best a kind of specious nonsense. Passion is the mover to action. Reason is the guide. I have tried to reason with us over the last three weeks that God is worthy of the praise and the worship that we have in us right now to give to him. And now my prayer is that we would have a mover to action, that the passion of the Lord would come and enable us to give him what he well deserves. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, bring your presence. You are the mover of passions, Holy Spirit. You grip our heart for things that matter to God. You bring the tears to our eyes when we see something beautiful. You warm our hearts with your presence. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking you, please, would you fall upon us right now? Help us to give God the worship he is due. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, we hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.